want us to think, you to think about a time when you saw someone look down on someone else because they were different. Can you think of a time that happened? Yeah? I want to give you just a, um, an interesting example of this. We're going to talk about this more when uh, we reflect on God's Word. Um, this was in the late 1930s and um, there was, uh, of course, a war going on in Europe and the World War was happening. And there was... Uh, amazingly, <laughs> the Lutheran Church in Australia, there were two at the time, with their German background, did have an openness to... They, they wrote letters to the government and said, if people need to get out of Germany, basically because they were Jewish, we would help them here in Australia and maybe find some work for them and those kinds of things. Um, one person who they did help that I know about was of a Jewish background, uh, though he was a convert to the Christian faith, maybe his ancestors were, but he was of Jewish ancestry and therefore he feared, was starting to fear for his life in Europe, the situation there at the time because he was put in that label of being a Jew. So the Australian Lutherans assisted him to get to Australia. He was a pastor, in fact. And he spent a few weeks at North Adelaide, only a few weeks, because he was watched by the Australian authorities. And um, in the end they imprisoned him. And why did they watch him? because he was a German. Okay, so just think of that. In Germany, he was in danger because he was a Jew, <laughs> and in Australia, he was in danger because he was a German. So he was looked down on in several ways. And uh, he spent several years. Uh, it was Pastor Zinbauer, and uh, he, he, together with his wife. His wife also was watched like a hawk when she went to Bible study, people watched and uh, interviewed. What did she say? Did she promote Nazi Germany, for example? This, this kind of thing. So it was a lot of fear, a lot of prejudice happening. So uh, th this fellow was looked down on in Europe, then he was looked down on in Australia. He went on to be a very caring pastor for the immigrants after the war and went all over the place. Um, even our sister Lee Pratt is familiar with him, she told me uh, one Sunday from her people coming out from Europe. He probably met them as they arrived. What does God's mercy towards you, how does that affect you when you relate to people who are different than you are. Okay, we want to think about that. 
as we come to focus on as we come to focus on that second reading which was from Romans Romans chapter 9 and I'm just going to look at just the start of it where this is Paul Paul says I speak the truth in Christ I'm not lying my conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now this is Paul kind of um, heartbroken in prayer to God. And uh, to put it in context, I want us to think about at least those who were here last week. You might remember uh, we were focusing on a big, huge tapestry about the size of a tennis court with Jesus, which depicted Jesus. And Jesus was looking out over the cathedral, Coventry Cathedral, which was built as a new cathedral, the Christian people sitting there, and then beyond that new cathedral was what? Can you remember? It was the, the old one which had been bombed, and they left the ruins there. And so Jesus was looking out over this two things, uh, the people of God seated there, but also all of the mess of this world. Hmm. And the text said, it comes to the end of chapter 8, Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And now Paul suddenly turns all personal in his prayer and is in great distress and reading on from verse 2, you realize his distress is because it seems like his people, the Jewish people, are being separated. And I kind of wondered, why is Paul bringing this up just now and writing it here in the letter to the Romans? It must have some kind of context. So it became very interesting to me to discover, of course, the church in Rome, the Christian church in Rome, probably began from early Jewish converts right after Pentecost, possibly. And uh, some other people joined the church in Rome there, but there was, there was something going on in Rome because the Emperor Claudius started to restrict public meetings, does it sound familiar? <laughs> Restrict public meetings of the Jews in Rome because there had been some kind of disturbances going on. And it's written, uh, 49 AD, Roman writer Suetonius said, um, by 49 AD, sorry, Emperor Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome. They had to leave. And it was written by Suetonius because they kept rioting at the instigation of Christus. Now some scholars believe that's a misspelling of Christos and that it was Christians and Jewish people there was some disturbance going on there. So that's a bit of the background. And we have to realize now that that Roman congregation, Christian congregation, they also had people that were expelled 
probably leaders of the congregation who came from a Jewish background. A little bit thinking back to Pastor Zinbauer. Um, he got expelled because he was German in Australia. Kind of thing. So these leaders and other Christians are expelled and now the congregation in Rome is largely non-Jewish people, people from the Gentile background. Well, it's all going along like this. And then Emperor Claudius dies and the Jews start coming back to Rome. Okay? Now what's going to happen? This is what's on Paul's heart. Now what's going to happen? And what's on Paul's heart is what's going to happen to this, with this small group of Christians meeting in Rome? How are they going to treat these people who are coming back? Some of them are their Christian brothers and sisters. But Paul is even worried about just any of the Jews. How will they be thought of and treated by the Christian congregation? You can just imagine, because they've been expelled, they cause disturbance, they, they are like this, they are like that, look out for them, watch out for them, they're different than us, they act like this, all of those kinds of things, putting people in a box, we're in a different box, we're in the... We're good, we're right, they're wrong, they're bad. That kind of thing. Huh? So Paul is worried because he's just said nothing can separate us from the love of God and now Paul is distressed in praying, saying it might be us that separate people from the love of God. God doesn't do it, but we might because of our judgmental way, our prejudice, our way of thinking, we are like this, but they're like that. And um, so Paul seems to be worried about this, that people will um, be made to not feel welcome. There might be cultural tensions. Paul is really concerned about that and it breaks his heart. And I think Paul is wanting to us to be honest with ourselves because it's tempting for us to see how we are, how we are right, and others are wrong. And if others are wrong, then they're bad. I think Paul wants us to see that there's maybe someone new around us, or different, or there's something new or different, and we're quick to judge or prejudge and say, oh, I'm against that. That's not right. That kind of reminds me of an old joke. <laughs> Bit of a corny joke. Um, but I heard someone tell it recently, so I'm going to tell you again, that this uh, fellow dies and goes to heaven. And St. Peter's at the gate and takes him on a tour around heaven. And on this tour around heaven, uh, this fellow sees... Uh, Lots of people, and they are all having a great time. It's like a massive party going on. Everyone's enjoying themselves. And then he takes this fellow on the tour, and they come to a place where there's a locked door. And St. Peter says, Shh, you've got to be quiet here. And, and this fellow says, well, there's a big noise going over there. They're having a great party. 
why do we have to be quiet here? And St. Peter says, behind that locked door are all the Lutherans, he said. And they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> and they're right, and all those sorts of things. Well, you could, uh, everyone tells that joke a bit differently, and uh, maybe the Anglicans and Baptists, and they all tell the joke their way. I just put the Lutherans behind that door. Don't make too much noise, otherwise they'll find out someone else is there as well. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what um, we can be experts at putting people into groups. And we love to dwell on the differences and label some as good or right and others as bad ones. And don't we feel amazing when we put ourselves in the right group? <laughs> yeah, we feel amazing <laughs> about that. <laughs> and when we look at people that we don't agree with or don't like very much and we go, oh, look at that, those people, insert ethnic group, look at them. Or look at those people, insert particular social class of people or political persuasion or whatever. Look at them. They don't get it. And we attempted to belittle them and place them beneath us and push them away. In the June and July Lutheran Women, that little magazine some of you get, the last two months they highlighted the beautiful picture of God's people gathered together around the heavenly throne which is pictured in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, which says, I saw a great multitude, no one could count, and they were from every nation, every tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. I wonder what that sounded like to that person in vision. I bet that was a big noise going on with all kinds of languages and music and different styles and different customs and cultures, all together. But the central thing is Christ that unites them all together. Great diversity. The Christian church has always been a multicultural community and it has been enriched and blessed by that multicultural way throughout the ages. It's never only been uh, Anglo-Saxon white church and for Lutherans that Germanic. It's never been just that. Right from the start, Jesus crossed cultural borders bringing the good news of forgiveness to insiders and outsiders. And the insiders, let's face it, uh, felt uncomfortable quite often about who Jesus included. And sometimes we're like that too. It's not that we don't want people to be part of the church, but when they join us, then we're confronted by someone or something that is different. And it's often not big differences that have the potential to divide, but rather sometimes small things that we're so oblivious to, we don't know because they're so part of, part of our culture that we think it's the only way. And we're not aware that other people do things another way and sometimes that offends us. For example, I would like to give another example that I saw on the film. I don't know if anyone saw the movie All Saints. 
not the TV program, but the movie All Saints, which was about an Anglican congregation in North America that just had a few people attending and they were about to close the doors of the church. And lo and behold, who turns up on the doorstep? All these Karen people uh, from Burma, the Karen tribe, I think, or Karen, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, K-A-R-E-N, like my sister's name. Uh, but Burmese refugees were on their doorstep. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Burmese. And they were, of course, oh, oh look at them, who are they? Ooh, what sort of people are they? Everyone thought about They happened to be Christians, so they came to the, the church, the Anglican church, and as those few old people or few people left in the church came in, the older men come in with their hats as they came into the church, hung their hats on the hooks. And the Burmese refugees, what did they do when they came into the church? They put hats on their head. And this caused a confrontation at the, at the um, entrance to the church. What are you doing? You're not showing respect. But of course they were showing respect. From their culture, uh, the respectful thing was to put a covering on their head. So there was a, a thing <laughs> that caused an early confrontation over a little thing, um, uh, not, not actually over anything that either of them meant. Huh? One of them meant respect and the other one meant respect as well. Just a different way of doing it, that's all. And uh, that's the wonderful thing about different cultures is that we can learn the varieties of things and celebrate variety of ways of doing things and it makes life interesting, I think, myself. Um, we get confrontational, unfortunately, instead of being thankful that like us, God brings others to Christ to be forgiven like us and for us to be forgiving to each other. That's what's central. I don't know if you know the story of the Shepperton congregation in Victoria. You could look up shepperton.lutheran.org and you can click on ABC Compass and you can see the program about how they were such a small congregation ready to close their doors and along came Africans from different nations, knocked on their door, joined the church, and the pastor at the time says, it's in, in, in the Lutheran Women magazine, says, we struggled with language and culture and just about everything, he said. But we rejoiced to be together. That's good. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had just proclaimed that in Romans chapter 8, verse 39, but now he thinks about the situation of the Roman church and the circumstances, and Paul is worried. He's overwhelmed with pain in his concern that people will push other people away. And so Paul prays, not for what he wants, but he prays for God's plan to be fulfilled that all peoples of all nations are part of God's promise and can come together. It's not about who you were born as or who or what you were born into. and It's not necessarily about your culture and your customs, but it's about God and God's love for you and God's promise to you. 
which brings us to our picture for this week or our artwork for this week which shows right in the centre this little house which we can see right into that room where is seated Mary. And the angel Gabriel is coming to Mary and of course telling her that she will bear the Saviour. And the artist placed this house or this room where Mary is in a garden. So surrounding it is a garden. You can see to the side is the garden and that garden is the Garden of Eden. The artist has made it the Garden of Eden and there's Adam and Eve. They're being banished from the Garden of Eden and up in the corner is God pointing them but with his sending them out of the Garden of Eden came the promise that from the woman of her offspring will come a saviour. This promise was uh, to Adam and Eve and that promise was held by people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we can include Sarah, Rebecca and Rachel in there as well and all those and others and now that promise is coming to Mary and Mary gave birth to Jesus and through Jesus that finger pointing God it's pointing beyond them to Paul, for example, who becomes part of that, to the Jews and Gentiles in Rome, and that finger with the promise is pointing to you as well, and beyond you, to others as well. To others as well. And finally, to that picture in Revelation that there's a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and the Lamb of God. Isn't that a great picture which we can start to practice here and now? Gathering together our different groups, our different ways, our different cultures, our different languages centred, centering around Christ. Amen. The peace of God which passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.